Welcome, welcome to Stop Boosting this week. This week we're on our fourth episode or fifth episode of the Success Podcast. We got here today with us Mario, and you already know me and Ahmed are hosting it. So Mario has led an interesting life. So how would we start off with getting to know Mario and how we got to this point? And then from there, we'll work our way through the success segment. Yeah. So Mario, introduce just introduce a little about yourself, how you met Ahmed, and then the point that got you to this point into your career. All right. Well, my name is Mario. I'm from El Salvador. I actually met Ahmed during an internship in mid-2017 when I first moved to Toronto. I was actually living in the west coast of Canada at the time, where that was the first place I moved after being raised in, in Latin America. Um, but where I am now, you know, I have a company who's focusing on commercializing uh, technology that's fairly innovative in the hydroelectric sector. And I'm trying to get that done here living in Toronto, where I'm still fortunately surrounded by people like Ahmed and Mukana. You keep going. Yeah, and uh, in terms of how you met me, that was a, a co-op, but uh, we've gone through a few things now, and uh, I have some questions that might get a bit personal, might just be, you know, leading towards professional, but uh, for the most part, I want to know what you do as a side hustle. Something outside of your work, I know that you do, that's it's quite interesting to me, it's something I've never heard. One of the first times I met you, you handed me a card, and that card, <laughs> it said... Uh, director something 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 of this company and that's all I saw I was like who the heck is this yeah, I remember that card that, <laughs> that card was the first card I got on that business it was it was a director of Latin American relations at the time right uh, kind of a bullshit title but <laughs> yeah. it was something very different but um yeah essentially the company is focused on commercializing a technology that a uh, man is very close to me invented he was doing a boss his name is Jerry and he was my boss when I first interned at a company in the west coast of Canada. I was working at a hydroelectric dam, having lunch, and I was eating a sandwich next to this room where I heard this guy talking to a bunch of guys. And I just listened to him saying, trust me, I got a patent on it. And that just caught my attention. So I was like, okay, I'm going to eavesdrop this conversation. And he described it verbally. It made sense to me. And I was like, huh, I want to I talk more about this with this guy. So I waited until everybody left, and I told him, hey, man, you know, why don't we blackboard this? I want you to draw it out for me. And he showed me the concept of this technology he came up with, an idea that he came up with during a construction project in 2003. And it's, you know, it was a very, it's a very simple concept. As soon as I saw it out, I was like, wow, this, this, this shit works. And it can make money. And it's never been done before. So very quickly, I started asking things that you try to sell it. You know, what did you try to do with this? And, you know, very early on in his responses, it was clear to me that, you know, they just honestly had no no clue what they were doing. And so very, uh, you know, very soon after that, he connected me with a guy who's essentially the CEO of the company. He's an older guy. And he owned a lot of the intellectual property. And he was very nice when I first met him. He basically let me help him a lot. And little by little, I started taking on more and more interest in, in time with this. So people can describe it as a side hustle. You know, it is generally what... The new generation kind of slang came up to describe something you do aside from a day-to-day job, but to me, it's definitely not a side hustle. It's yeah. it's the main hustle. It's the first, second, and third hustle. It's the dream, the vision. It's everything at, the, at this point in time. My, my day job is kind of the side hustle, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's basically the bulk of how I got started into it. That that relates back to like some of our previous guests. It's kind of crazy how you have that mindset that is already your main hustle. Yeah, the way they word like few other people would word it is, 
they're keeping it their side hustle until it can become their main hustle. So I guess it's just what your definition of it is. Yes. But I get what you're saying. Is if you're not fully into it the way you are, I think that it, then it shows the weakness of the person. So I like I like the way that you sort you of. You know, if you if you actually study a lot of people who have been successful in the past mm-hmm. and. But yet, kind of shared a common trait, which was namely they were obsessed with something, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you become obsessed with something, you leave yourself no choice. You know, you wake up, it's the first thing you think about. You can't go to bed because your mind is so busy thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, there's, there's nothing really that you can do in your day that can make it a side hustle. It's just automatically your priority. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what it becomes is just, it's just your dream, right? It's, it's your vision of your future. That's why it's so exciting about it. That's why you can't stop thinking about it because you associate how your future will unfold based on this dream or, or as people call it side hustle. And you said uh, people who are successful. So where, where did you get this mindset from? Did you get it from someone that was your family member? Did you get it from a group of people that have you read about? Like, where does it come from? In a sense, like, do you think it was nature, like people or like people around you or it was nurtured like through your family and your friends? And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who try to dis- to d- define what success is. I mean, I'm sure a lot of maybe people who hear this know Earl Nightingale, a very famous speaker in, in the 50s, and he has one of the most famous uh, voice notes or recording, I guess you can call it. It's about half an hour long. And he calls success the successive realization of a worthy ideal. So he says someone working to become a teacher who wants dreams of becoming a teacher is a success. Someone who's training to be a hockey player who dreams of being the best hockey player is a success. You know, to me, that's a very nice definition of success. But at the end of the day, I think it's a choice. So whether it's nurture, nature or nurture, um, I suppose it could be both. You know, you could be surrounded by people who are not successful your entire life, but you choose to pursue something because you're just so passionate about it. Like I said before, you leave yourself no other choice. Or you could find people in your life who who made the choice to pursue something at no avail and you were like shit that guy is unstoppable you know like i'm gonna choose to be unstoppable too so you're gonna find both i think among people yeah and uh well talking about uh nurture not all of us are nurtured the same way a lot of us come from other countries a lot of us have you know fairly different childhoods from one another and do you think that coming from a different country helped you being an immigrant to Canada, you think that it's sort of drilled into your mind different values and work ethic? Or do you think that's not too relevant? In, in that's kind of an interesting question. You know, I was born and raised into a middle-class family in Latin America. You know, certainly not, not a very wealthy family with a lot of success, you know, culture. And, and, and that's how most families are back home. You know, it's Latin America. I, I was born and raised in El Salvador, a fairly poor country. Then I lived in Nicaragua in my high school, which was even more poor. But when I moved to Canada, you know, it's just like another planet. There's public transportation, there's healthcare, there's education, there's there's wealthy people, you know, and there's that culture of it. So being exposed to something like this as a grown man, as opposed to being you know a child, which is everything you've ever known, it was very encouraging and motivating to say, "Holy shit, I'm in, I'm in like freaking promised land here. Why not take advantage of it?" And 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 build my own future, you know. Right. Instead of someone who would be born into that environment and not really appreciate it as much, which is possible. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Yeah, that's true. You know, think about this. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you're a 
you're, you've lived in the city your entire life, and then you go to a jungle and you find a tiger. You, you, you'd be freaking amazed by this creature. You'd be like, God, my God, what is that? I want to know everything about it, you know? But if you were raised in the jungle and all you ever yeah, saw was tiger, so you know, you, you wouldn't pay a lot of mind to it. So, yeah, coming to Canada as a Latin American citizen was just inevitable to pay so much attention to the financial structure, just how much capital flows, you know? This economy is a very rich economy, so... It's yeah. just inevitable the attention you can pay to it as, a, as an immigrant. Yeah, like in in terms of my examples too, with like the guests we've had, Ben being one of them, we talked about before we came. It's just those that immigrant mentality and some of the and some of the people that come here. I think that really drives them to do more. And I came here when I was 11 months old. I don't know if you know that. And yeah, I, I that heard the podcast. That's yeah. how I found oh, out. Oh, that's how you found out. <laughs> so, yeah, in the last episode, that doesn't really count. I don't think I got that same perspective. Because all I have is Canada, and I don't know what it's like back home. I went a few, a few times, two weeks on end. I got so sick I couldn't, I couldn't even walk around the house because it's just the environment. Like I ate something that was wrong, I drank something that was wrong, and I, I think that what I'm seeing in a lot of my friends is that immigrant mentality really helps. You know, I'm not sure who's mentioned it before because I'm sure there's a lot of immigrants that will testify to this. And that is that as an immigrant, we always spoke of North America as that land that yeah. had this, that had that. So coming to North America, too, I should mention, you have a lot of expectations. You're like, oh, I'm going to come to the country where people do this and do that, you know. But I feel like when you say immigrant perspective, that doesn't apply to all immigrants, though. It might apply to a good percentage, but like there are immigrants that come here just to live off the welfare system and not really mm-hmm. get moved further. Like I've heard stories like talking to my parents and other family members who know immigrants who come here and just try to abuse the welfare system and not try to get a job because they know they just they have a decent life. They don't need to go further. Some of them have that mentality as well. Yeah. I'd be interested to see the percentage of people who were raised in Canada who do the exact same thing versus immigrants that come to Canada and end up doing that. And yeah. I know that's an example. That's true in all cases. That's a true in all cases. Yeah. We're born here or not, but I'm just saying, you can't just say it's immigrant perspective because you don't know what the percentage yeah, of immigrants actually come here. Yeah, generally, don't. But at the end of the day, as I said before, you know, let's say you do the research, you come up with a statistic. Uh, that statistic doesn't mean too much to me because every individual, immigrant or not, at the end of the day is faced with that choice, right? Success is a choice to me, and that's what life is about. It's about making choices. So yeah. it, it doesn't matter whether you were raised here or not. You're faced with the same choice. You've got this opportunity in front of you. Are you going to seize it or not? Yeah, which path are you going to take down? Like, you get someone's number, are you going to call it or not? You get someone's email when you try, they're offering you a job, are you going to email it or not? <laughs> okay. It depends. Are you going to take that option? Because some people will get a card, say, okay, I'm going to email you, and then don't email, right? You're talking about business. You're talking about just no, we're, we're, social, we're social animals as homo sapiens. So every day people walk by you. Of course, you don't talk to them, so it's impossible sometimes to understand that that person is an opportunity for you. But, you know, you might not realize it, but every day, you, you, people you meet, some conversation you might overhear it could be an opportunity for you. And you're faced with that choice. Am I going to just ignore that and it's never going to be any effect on my life? Or am I going to dig deeper and see if this can lead somewhere nice? But then it, and also the, but you can't regret an opportunity you miss because once you start regretting something, you start focusing your mind on that. Like, I, I feel like I regretted this one opportunity where I got this business card when I was working at this place. And... I was supposed to message her, but then I lost that business card. I was going to message her after two, three months of getting myself placed and get my stuff connected properly, and then message the person and try to get working for them because they don't have better experiences. When I try to go back, 
I lost opportunity because I lost that business card. You want a life tip? Life tip for everybody out there. When you get a business card, take a picture of it. Yes. <laughs> or <laughs> and send it to yourself or save it to your drive. Yeah, see, more so than regret, it's that. It's a lesson. Right? You yeah. teach yourself, oh, I'm going to learn from this mistake. Yeah. yeah. Next I time, I'll take a picture. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Next time, make a picture. Just have a drive save for potential opportunities and just put business cards. Yeah. I got a lot of life tips. I got a lot of life tips. Hey, you keep saying success. So what what is success to you? Success is different to everyone. So what, yeah, well, what do it's you different define? to everyone because everybody has different dreams, right? Some people dream of wealth and riches. Other people dream of a very united family. We're not. Mm-hmm. So what is your opinion of it then? Not what other people think. What is your opinion? Of it? So what do like you? Well, my opinion is that everyone has their own corresponding dream, and so success, in my opinion, should translate to the accomplishment of said dream, whatever that may be. You know, it doesn't have to be. Wealth and riches. That's yeah, true. That's you know, like, uh, like that word. Um, that's as much as, as, as I do consider myself an ambitious person in terms of, you know, my financial independence that I want to pursue and my ability to acquire in my future purchasing power, etc. At the end of the day, I want to be a good father. That's really what the dream is. You know, so success for me would not be accomplished unless that is a reality. It doesn't matter how wealthy I can become or where I live or who I spend my time with, because the dream is not. That, right? The dream is about fatherhood in my case. Mm. Everybody has different dreams, though, right? But success should be attaining those dreams. Do you think there are any building blocks to the path to building success? Like core foundations you think anyone you need on the path towards getting to whatever success, whatever dream they have? Whether it be school, whether it be education, like education or like having networking skills or just whatever skills you think people Yo, what are you asking? I'm confused what you're asking, bro. What are you asking? He's asking yeah. me if there's pillars that are common in every person's success. And mm-hmm. you said three things. You said uh, school, education, yeah, and no, networking. Education, yeah. You know, school. school same thing. Let's let's take a second now to analyze just how ridiculous the concept of school can seem to somebody nowadays. You know, school is just an organized system that's made since a long time ago, you know, very long time ago, uh, where someone can go in a specific location and acquire knowledge. You know, and the second word you said was education. At the end of the day, that's what it is. You don't need a school to become educated, especially with internet nowadays. And so, yeah, there are definitely pillars that every person has to have. And I think the smart Cuban would say if you were here, probably number one is you got to know your shit. You know, if you don't know your shit, then you can talk about mindset all you want. You can talk about networking all you want. Bro, you're not going to do shit because you've got to know your shit. You'll so, connection. That's, I think, the biggest pillar. If you want success, you got to learn your shit. That's you know, right. Uh, I write letters to my children, and one of the most important things I wrote to my unborn children is, um, your dad likes to learn, because when you learn a lot, you accomplish a lot. What do you want to accomplish? Choose wisely what you learn, and you'll do it. And so, you know, that's one pillar. The second pillar would be, you gotta, you got to never give up. You know, you're going to fail. That's probably the third pillar itself. You're going to fail many times, right? Yes, and that's a sign I agree of, with that. It's a sign of progress. It's something. It's an opportunity to learn. Yes. You gotta fail, right? Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? And and, and so, uh, the ability to learn from your failures is one of the biggest pillars, right? Your ability to, to learn and change and adapt, overcome. Um, I was talking uh, to this SAP uh, programmer that's also a CPA, and he he was he was talking about this article that you read, and he said that one of the main reasons why people in poorer communities stay poor and people in rich communities who become poor. The difference between them and the rich people and the poor people that become rich or maintain their richness is their 
self-education and their their ability to educate themselves. Yes. So if they're not able Absolutely. to obtain that literature, like say they're far from libraries, far from that literature, they could be the people that are capable of doing it, but without those resources, they wouldn't be able to further themselves or develop themselves. I don't think it matters about distance you are from resources, especially nowadays. It's nowadays your ability to actually want to go and acquire that knowledge, like yeah, that Mario was saying before, because if you're not willing to learn or acquire, go grasp what you need to learn for what you want to do, then you're never going to take that step forward, right? But he also said another thing. If you don't, and most people, when they fail, mm -hmm. they don't want to learn from it. They just move forward. They don't try to take time to analyze what went wrong, how it went wrong, and what they can learn from that mistake. They just be like, okay, yeah, I failed. Let me go on. Let me just go. They don't try to learn from that failure, because if you don't try to learn from yeah, that failure, you don't spend the time analyzing that failure. You know, I remember... I'm a catcher testified it was October 19, 2018. It was my first pitch to an actual hydroelectric site on site, me pitching to the client, trying to sell them the technology we're trying to commercialize. And, you know, I went in there thinking we were going to sell them so hard. You know, I got my right arm, I'll, I bet my right arm, there's no way they're going to say no. We got such a great offer. The project would make so much money. There's no way they're going to say no to us, right? At the end of the day, we didn't get the project. And so it's my responsibility to go home and think, why Why did that happen? I was so convinced that that was not going to happen. So there must have been something in my head that I didn't know or I was lacking that would have made me realize that that was not going to happen, you know, what I thought was not going to turn out to be. And so I thought really hard, and I, I analyzed, you know, why did that failure occur? And I came up with a, you know, bullet point format, you know, all the things that we did wrong that I started implementing and going forward, which every time now that we do that, I make sure those things are not repeated and, and that's about one of the best investments in time you can do right yeah fail invest a lot of hours in studying that from. failure and so make sure you don't do those things again yeah because i realize a lot of people don't try to learn from the series people try to learn from success but what can you learn from success you can very very you can learn very minimal stuff but failure is where you learn the greatest yeah, and, I agree. and you said you write down bullet points yeah you're gonna probably write down like 100 bullet points for a failure but maybe three for when you succeed yeah because you learn much more because you failed. You actually did something wrong, and that's when you're gonna learn to fix. Yeah, naturally, you're not you're not born perfect at things. Right? No, perfection comes out, out of practice. So you can see my room actually a bunch of papers pasted on the walls with bullet points about shit we forgot. You know, did you talk to the decision maker? Did you talk to the ultimate person responsible for saying yes or no to your proposal? Yes or no? No, you fucked up. You know, next time make sure you do that. Did you have a scope of work complete? Stuff like that. Those are things that I really shit. And next time we go in there, we need these things. Yes, I agree with you. I was actually thinking about painting one of my walls into a chalkboard, making it so it's right bullet points on my wall directly. Yeah, <laughs> a blackboard, a whiteboard. You know, a lot of people, yeah. I think, would 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 remember things or would their minds would just totally grasp things better if they drew it out once in the wall of their room. It was there for them to see for several weeks. I got that idea from a friend of mine who I feel like is successful because he did what he did was he would put a Bristol board everywhere on his wall and just draw on his Bristol board when he needs to make a new plan. He had a new idea that is right on the Bristol board. And when he filled it up, he'll take it down, put a new Bristol board up, and then take that one he wrote on and turn it into the computer because he thought it was complete. Or he would take that one and go to another Bristol board that's on the wall and start changing his idea on it until he thought it was good and then he put it on his computer. That's right. You know, drawing things makes your brain remember for sure visual learning is powerful yes it is and you you went to uvc with all these top class engineers you see them doing that often 
drawing out their ideas. Because I have this buddy, Yossi, who went to U of T downtown, and on his Instagram, half of his pictures are him on a chalkboard drawing out his ideas that he got from a book. And he has this sort of like pie chart, and this, not this pie chart, pie chart, this tree chart, where it just branches out, and it's one idea to the next, to the next, to the next, and how they all connect. Generally speaking, if yeah. you're an engineer, you absolutely always have to draw everything out because yeah. as an engineer, your job is to design, right? So yeah. design must always be drafted and, and, and improved, yeah. etc. But any person who, who, who seeks to acquire deep understanding about a subject, I think inevitably, inevitably, invariably, that person will eventually draw things out because concepts mm. are harder to track in your head. If you make them into block diagrams, it's easier to see. It's actually literally it's easier to connect because you just literally draw a line between them. Yes. And you can and you can see sometimes blind spots that are so difficult to just think, think of them in your head you know, if you're not visually observing the situation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I feel like the tree or like I mean it's gonna be like an app star tree where you can make it into a circle, but you can draw the line in any direction you need to so you can connect an idea and see like another idea that connects to it. How then you can be like how do these two connect and make this idea, like you can see that visually, like your Mario saying, which is much greater than just thinking about it in your head. At the end of the day, the main purpose of this exercise, whether it is engineering design or not, it, it's that it simplifies the situation so much that you now can apprehend that situation in your head better than you previously could. So once you simplify the situation, in in short time, I think if you think hard enough, you'll find something that you didn't previously find, whether it's a solution, an idea, some sort of insight. And that will advance into another drawing and another drawing. And eventually you'll get to where you want to get. Mm. So do you do that? Uh, well, I know you, you're not only doing work on your patent and you're not only an engineer, but you also study real estate. You, you study like stock investing. Does, does that apply in your investing mindset? Like does drawing it out help you in terms of where you want to invest your money? Or do you sort of just read that? Absolutely, yeah. I remember when I was trying to understand real estate investing better, I, draw it, I drew it out when I was trying to understand um, the analysis of securities better, I drew it out as well. And But at this point in time, you know, we've talked a lot about acquisition of knowledge and learning because you got to know your shit, true. Uh, but I think a lot of people should also focus on doing, right, acting. And so that's equally as important as learning your shit. Um, so yeah, like I'm very passionate about real estate investing. And I'm very passionate about investing in securities because I require knowledge on the subject, and I, I understand it now. I realize that m many people can do it. You know, I can do it. Mm -hmm. and this is the amount of time it would take to acquire the the wealth that it, that I desire to it to generate. Yeah. And, but but at the end of the day, you have to get started. You know, you have yeah. to take that leap of faith and say, I'm going to start to act. Mm -hmm. And success, I think, also inevitably, individuals who have attained it. They've all heard people tell them, you're, you're nuts. You know, this is a bad idea. This is yeah. this is not safe. This is not stable income, etc. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of all kinds oh, yeah. of concerns and just all kinds of advice, you know, advice, quote unquote, that people always like to criticize, right? Yeah. And the, it's the job of the person who's committed to say, you know, either I know shit that you don't, and that's why I'm still gonna pursue this. And if you're right and I'm doing something wrong, then I'm going to fix what I'm doing and do it differently. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you decide for yourself that, that in fact, what you are pursuing is something that is, quote, unquote, unattainable, because some things are impossible. Some people might have bad ideas. And so right. if you have a bad idea, it might be a natural consequence that your 
ability to attain that is very low because it's yeah. something nobody will listen to, right? Yeah. That's the first thing about knowing your shit. Is this a bad idea or is this a good idea? That's one of the first decisions you should make. Yeah. I feel though I think of a lot of bad ideas. Yeah, gonna, I think of hundreds of ideas probably in a month. But I feel like from bad ideas you can generate a good idea. But also when you're taking people's advice, so yeah, you can take it in, but don't listen to them. You have to analyze what they're saying and see if it's true. Because what they say is just bullshit. Because they don't know what you know. So, so what I you shoot don't down, know I shoot down 95% of his ideas. But that's because his ideas. So he, one, of, one of his goals that he set was running, uh, what was it? 10, what, 15 kilometers? In, sorry, it was uh, 10 okay, That was the four kilometers and 15 To spare myself minutes. to go. But we were all running it at about 22 minutes. So he was going to cut that by seven minutes in a span of two months. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen, but at least yeah. I got for it than I was because yeah. before that I was taking an hour to do the same amount. So what he did was he sets goals that are so far beyond what he can get, so he, he gets as far as he possibly can to get close enough to that goal so he can make more progress than he would have. So it's a, it's a weird yeah, process. This, this it's example is about physical exercise, which yeah. a lot of people sometimes relate to achieving a goal, etc. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm, I'm me personally, like I'm. Mm-hmm. Innately an engineer, you know, by heart. Although, you know, yeah. I don't consider myself simply just an engineer, and because it's not really my passion. But in the world, in, in that kind of world, you can have an idea like, I want to commercialize space travel. Yeah. I want to make electric vehicles a thing, you know. And everybody's going to say you're full of shit. Everybody's going to say, "Bro, you're nuts," because it's 2003 and that shit doesn't doesn't exist, you know. And yeah. so you can describe Elon Musk as a person who who had a bad idea, etc. But the beautiful thing about the world of engineering is there is no, there is there there is a right and wrong. There is such a thing Logical. as this shit will work or it won't. Yeah. Yeah. After that, yeah, financial analysis will dictate whether something can be, yeah, uh, economically attractive or not. Mm-hmm. So if you can bring the cost down of electric vehicles, then you can sell them. So all you, all you have to do is is prove that you can actually design such that that it's cheap, you know, etc. You can same as rockets. So yeah. people people in my world. The whole having a good idea or having a bad idea. Honestly, it's I'm not saying it's an easy call, but it's an absolute call. It's a call you can be highly confident about. Whereas investing, you know, has a lot to do with people's opinions. And but you know, there are real estate cycles, there are stock market yeah. fundamentals. A random thing. Uh, once you said space travel, <clears throat> and I said I remember once there was an experience you said you may have had which you met you, you thought you saw aliens. <laughs> Well, I, I described to you what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I'm not Possibly. trying to hide it. It really fucking looked like it, but, yeah. you know, I don't know what I saw. Right. Essentially, it was two humanoids, just beings that looked a lot like humans. They had two legs, two arms, and a head with two yeah. eyes. But they were yeah, covered was... in gray and black lines from the tip of their head down to their feet. And right. they were extremely skinny with a skin-type suit that is colored the way I just described and they had, it was obviously not their real eyes, it was probably a mask, but their eyes were huge and black, completely black colored. Yeah. And they stared at us for about 10 seconds, which if you think about it, it's not a short time. Like you can clearly appre- appreciate mm-hmm. what you're observing, and I didn't know what the fuck I was seeing. Until my friend who was with me, who also saw it, yelled at them because he was under the impression it was our brothers. And then they both turned around as if they were a mirror image of each other, moved the exact same way at the exact same time and ran off. And we tried to chase them, but we never saw them again. To this day, I still don't know what that was, man. But that was in an island, by the way. It was in an island. So we knew the people who were in the island, and obviously none of them fit that strange description. 
Man, so it couldn't, <clears throat> so it couldn't have been like a beekeeper or something. That's a weird suit or something. It was just people you knew were in the area. I, generally and honestly, have no idea how uh, people could have been dressed like that or moved like that or, or have had bodies that were of that shape. Yeah. Um, unless some very unlikely individuals made it into that island who were such dress, etc., that happened to be there at the same time as we were, which is very, very unlikely. You know, it's crazy. I wasn't even talking about that experience. I was talking about the one you drove under the, the oh two lights. Oh, my God. Yeah, but you brought up the more intense one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one happened uh, first, the one I told you right now. Yeah. I was 11 years old. The right. second one happened 2017, winter 2017, here in Toronto. I was driving on the highway to go to, uh, towards Nanticoke. And, yeah, it was snowing. I was probably doing about 110 kilometers per hour on the road. And there was a strange Chinese cookie-looking object that was colored in a way I can't describe except as construction orange. And I was like, what the fuck is that? It's construction orange, and it's shaped like a Chinese cookie. So I was like staring at it, and I'm, I'm driving towards it in a straight line, so it's not like it's moving. I'm staring at it for a long time. And the closer I get, the more perplexed I am. Even. What am I looking at? And I drove right underneath it, which was maybe 100 meters above me. So mm -hmm. I saw it really clearly, and it just had an right. unusual geometric shape. I can't describe it in any other way <laughs> except the Chinese cookie. Fortune cookie. And, yeah, like a fortune cookie. Yeah. And, and so I decided, fuck this. I need to stop my car, get out of my car, take a picture so I can prove to people I'm not. Yeah. This story isn't nuts. I saw it it's right in this picture, right? But it took me about 10 seconds to stop the car. Because I had to turn slightly left, and there was a lot of snow, right. and I was going fast. So in the 10 seconds that I stopped the car, I opened my door, get out, take a picture. It wasn't there. Boom. And it sucks, but but yeah. I, I know what I saw. <laughs> Nobody was there to back it up, but it was a long time that I observed it. Man, I think everyone has those experiences, but not that specific epic one. I mean, everyone has an experience which they would wish they have captured some evidence of, but they really didn't. But they know what happened for a fact. Well, I tried. You know, I, yeah. I, I thought, fuck, I have to capture the evidence. I have to record this for posterity. But yeah, it, it was not there. It wasn't cloudy or anything either. I brought that up because we always ask our guests a question. The question is, do you believe you're one of three individuals. Do you believe you're a realist, someone who's very realistic, makes their decisions based off of the information they have? Do you believe you're a dreamer, someone who's always dreaming out their heads in the clouds, always going out, up, like above and beyond? Or do you believe you're a hard worker, someone that works hard toward their goals and just like grinds at them? Where do you think you see yourself falling within that? Dreamer, realist, or a hard worker? Honestly, I, I wouldn't categorize individuals, you know, as belonging to one of the three <laughs> categories. And I always like to go back to the example of Elon Musk, you know. Inevitably, he must have dreamed a lot in his day about mm -hmm. a day where electric vehicles were a thing, commercial space travel was a thing, solar panels were going to be everywhere. So people would have said, oh, that guy's a dreamer. But at the same time, he worked really hard to attain them. So he was simultaneously a hard worker. And if you if you make your decisions in a very rigid way, you're not flexible in your decision-making, mm -hmm. then people might object to you, they might get away from you, they might not fund you. So at the same time, being a realist involves being flexible, changing your mind, you know, yeah. uh, acquire knowledge from, from other wise individuals. So I consider myself one of the three. I, I, I definitely am a dreamer. Right. I love being a dreamer, you know, what, what great things do come from a guy dreaming in his head, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, work, I haul ass and I work hard on it. And I consider myself I, I, somewhat flexible. So I like how you answer because you, you answer based off of the logical reasoning that you have about the question. But we want you to pick one for yourself. 
No, you don't have to take it. I think technically well, did I, pick. If I, did. Te- if I pick one for myself at this point in my life, where most of what I've done is dreamt, then I'm technically a dreamer. Dream, yes, there you go. And because I, yeah, I don't know. I, I've worked hard at these goals, but there's so much I've dreamt yeah. about that I haven't worked on because there's so much life left in me. You yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> is something anybody can do. So yeah. I definitely have dreamt a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Mario brought up a good fact. You technically can be all three. You don't have to be one. I know. We all know. But at one point in your life, you're going to be more towards one of those aspects until you maybe find the balance, right? I, I don't like the categorization of, of a realist, though. Because, you yeah, know, Kinesh, because... Yeah, calling me a realist. Honestly, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not one of the, I'm not a hippie that's going to tell you, you know, gymnastics is impossible. You can jump to the moon if you want to. No, you can't. It's physically impossible, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't get a 12-inch long schlong or be <laughs> nine feet tall. You know, of course, there's things that are impossible. Yeah. So being a realist acknowledges that. But there's many things that people think, oh, right, that's not realistic. Oh, that's a crazy idea. You know, no electric vehicles are not going to be a thing. And guess what? Someone came up and made it a reality. So I, I, I know a lot of the time people use that description of a person, a realist. In yeah. my opinion, is an inappropriate it's categorization. It's like a categorization, almost a stereotype. Of, yeah, and it's an it's an inappropriate stereotype. Most of the cases, it's used. You know the funny part of where this came up from? I think Natsha shared a meme once. No, you sent it. Oh, I sent it? You sent it to me oh, on I Instagram. It? Oh, you keep bringing it up. So I sent a meme, and that's how this question came to be. So. <laughs> so just because would, we thought it was yeah. funny, a funny meme. Yeah. And, just one and you and Natsha both consider yourself, I know we're all we're all a little mix of all, each one of those, but you both consider yourself dreamers, and you both gave me the idea that you want four companies or something. You, you had very specifically had four categorized, if I'm not mistaken. Well, my, my dream company? Yeah, you had like a... Yeah, well, it exists company. officially. It's, it's reality, except it's nothing but a dream in my head at this point. But yeah. it's called the RC Group. Yeah. It's a group because it'll consist of RC real estate investments. That's mm-hmm. going to do nothing except buy properties. Mm-hmm. And it will sell them. So that's how the group is going to make a lot of money. It's going to come through selling real estate. Mm-hmm. But there's another RC holding company that does nothing except buy securities, whether it's stocks or bonds. Right. And most of them, you know, they won't be sold. Just like Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. It will be appreciation and equity over time at a compound interest rate with no taxes. You know, you're not a dime of taxes paid because you don't sell them. And the purpose of that holding company is to grow in value such that RC real estates can borrow money from the bank and buy real estate. Right. And that's more like a investment side of it. The third component is really the, the dream, the passion, you know, and that's RC Ventures, which is helping people who have good technologies that I, I believe in the person, well, the team, if it has multiple people, I believe in the product or service because I'm an engineer. It has to make sense. It has to work. Mm-hmm. And if it can make a lot of money, then those are things I become very passionate about and I dedicate all my time to. And if you invest in these companies early, these companies can grow to be very, very uh, um, valuable. And you can end up having a lot of money on something that had nothing to do with real estate or stocks. Yeah. I actually want to put a comment out here for a lot of yeah. people in the world. Many people in our generation, you know, they want to develop a real estate portfolio so they can acquire wealth. They want to develop a stock market portfolio because they want to acquire wealth. And I just want to congratulate people who do not pursue that. Because if you do pursue that, look, all my respect to you, if you're good at it, you make money. But you're not providing shit to the world. You're not creating anything. Yeah. So in reality, to me, those are the things that 
people who can't come up with anything better are going to end up pursuing exactly. it. You know, exactly. And, and I don't want to call myself a hypocrite because I will pursue it because I understand yeah. that they can make a lot of money and it's yeah. easy. That's why anybody can do it. Right. And But I admire people who don't pursue that and they, in fact, create something valuable for the world because they actually can do something. You know, mm-hmm. so many social media marketing agencies, which I've actually tried myself. Right. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm, I am not a hypocrite because I understand that these Value. things work. Can you think of a better proven investment system than real estate? Like, of course it's, it works. It's a good idea to do it. Mm-hmm. I just admire an individual when they actually can do something that brings it out to the world, except mm-hmm. that's not, you know, buying a property because cash flows and it's going to appreciate in value. That's not, that's not helping the world. That's a true. real statement, bro. That's a very real statement. But if those people who do, I would say, do real estate or something, have greater ambitions and use that money to invest it so they can make it, then that's also a good commitment yeah. on that. Because yeah. if you just do it for the money and not try to invest into a way where you can help bring more capital within the country, that's a different story. Because, like, I feel like sometimes, like, I always think of business ideas, but all those are costing too much money. I don't want to ask people for investment because to start it up is costing too much. But, like, anyone can literally... Why not? Why not ask people for investment? Because I want to do it on my own hard work, my own, my but, own but two do think, feet. Do you think that might be because you don't believe in hard work? Isn't always the answer. And I believe in myself, but like, I don't want people telling me what to do. If they're, if they just, they, 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 they own a stake and say, no, you gotta listen to me. I'd rather be like, I well, have no idea. Don't take their money from them. Take money from somebody else who's gonna let you take a lead. That's why hard I start. Work is not always the answer. Or what if you want to commercialize a hydroelectric technology that costs millions to install every freaking time? Working hard isn't going to pay for it. I'm raising capital will. That's why I'm trying to, but I want to start with the capital for my own hard money. I don't mind taking investment in the future, but at the beginning, I feel like it should be on me to get to the, at least a small portion of where I want to get to, right? So that's why you, I started the social media thing, right? Let's see to see if I can bring a certain amount of capital in that I can reinvest into myself, mm-hmm. into other form of my business. And then once I get those business ideas I do have up mm-hmm. started, then I'll start getting investments. So I want to show something for myself. I don't want to just like ask people for money and then not have a yeah, no, I agree. You want to show something. So to me, it's more about getting results than you paying for something on your own for the first time. So if you think of Warren Buffett, you know, when he was relatively young, he made a fund with a lot of partners. So it was not his money, but he brought to the table results. He brought to the table results that proved that he had the ability to acquire a lot of wealth in the long term. And then a lot of people believed in that in those results that they gave him a lot of money. You know, if, 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 if you can bring results to the table and ask someone for capital, of course, yeah, some people want to tell you what to do, you tell them, fuck off, all right, I'm not going to take your money. I'm going to go to somebody else that's not going to tell me what to do because they believe in my results. You don't have to pay for everything up front yourself. Yeah, connection. Results, bro. Results. Results are more uh, valuable than what most 24-year-olds can put on the table in terms of cash, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're right. That's all we really have is our, our, our like basically if you get hired at a company, it's what you what you're what you're capable of producing for the company that leads them to want to keep you or like whatever it is like to promote you or make you grow. Yeah, you know, um, results. Might as well go a little bit in detail about this. And a lot of the time that we pitch to clients in hydroelectric sites, they were always said the same things. You know, where have you done this before? And the answer, unfortunately, no matter how pretty you, you make it out to be, it's nowhere. We haven't done it before. And they never liked that answer. They wanted to see results. They wanted to see how can you prove my turbines are not going to mess up? How can you guarantee the protection of my assets, etc.? And the only way to prove such a thing is with some sort of prototype demonstration, right? some sort of miniature version of a multi-million dollar project 
that will bring results and say, this is how I can show you. We're not going to fuck up your termite, et cetera. And the only way to do that is to approach companies that have such facilities and they have such expertises and, and make these prototypes and bring to the table those results. And, and actually, we did pursue that. And we did interest the companies that can do these uh, hydraulic testings. And ironically enough, they came back to us and said, we already know that's going to work. There's no need to make a little prototype of something. We know exactly how much more electricity it's going to make. We know exactly how much more uh, protection it's going to give to the asset. And so ironically, I know it's, it's weird to say it, especially to an investor, but when somebody asks us, you know, oh, well, how come you don't have a prototype? It's like, well, we tried to get the prototype, but the organization in charge of producing the prototype says the prototype is not necessary because we already know it's going to work. It's a very easy concept to understand our technology. So fortunately, they want to just skip that step and go straight to studying a site for an actual pilot project in which they themselves would like warrant the turbines. They would guarantee all the turbines. So, you know, they show commitment. So those are the results that I would like to bring to the table. A turbine supplier who will guarantee your turbines and who is telling you their freaking turbines are going to make you this much. You know, that's more valuable. If I had to work hard, you know, then I would have to work for multiple years to to make millions of dollars to pay for that project. I'd be 50 years old by the time I'd be paying for that project. I'd rather go and raise capital and demonstrate to that person that all the parties involved are ready to, to warrant this technology so that no matter what, the client is safe, etc. You know, th those are the type of results that I'm talking about. And but the key difference that I'm taking away from that is that you really believe in the product that you're selling. Oh, if yeah. you really believe it's going to add that value, then you're willing to go to those investors. And they're going to be able to tell from you whether or not you actually think this is going to work. Right? So if, for example, Mir Kanashan had an idea, if we didn't actually believe that we're going to make that money or we're going to, we have a product that's worth investing in, that might be the reason why we don't do that. But I also think that comes down to the way you grew up because sometimes people have different confidence in themselves, right? So maybe the idea will make the money and you can, but if you don't have the confidence because it's lacking because of certain things in the past that destroyed your confidence, mm -hmm. especially for me because my confidence is not the strongest, the highest confidence in the world. But I feel like they are multi-million dollars. I remember why I told this one professor about an idea about uh, waste management in Ontario, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, that could be a, a million dollar company, right? Because it does solve a problem, right? But for me, I didn't do it because I didn't have enough confidence. In the, in you know, the, the in ultimate this confidence factor is having been thoroughly convinced yourself that what you are quote unquote selling is a fact. You know, so especially as an engineer, where your realm of discussion is about something that is at the foundation, at the core of it, is very technical. It becomes very clear when something you know works or not. So becoming confident about it is honestly fairly straightforward. You know, if you looked at all the angles about it and you could convince yourself that this works, then you will be very confident. Then of course, if you start exposing yourself to the world and you start trying to raise capital or you try to start getting a partner involved, getting some sort of, uh, you know, people who know the subject to give you their own opinions, the more you expose yourself to that, if you're in fact you were correct and the thing works, a lot of people will start to either get, tell you that yes, this works, or they will give you bullshit objections. Bullshit objections, and they'll start listing all these things about what you're doing is not going to work. And when you, if you know your shit, which is the first step, you'll realize that what they're talking about is bullshit. And so you can easily call their bullshit. If you really know your shit, you can easily call it bullshit.
And when you start realizing that dozens and dozens of people either agree with you or give you the same bullshit objections, you start convincing yourself very strongly, holy shit, this thing actually works. Mm -hmm. I've talked to the best of the best on the planet about the subject, and they all think this is going to work. You know, at that mm -hmm. point, it's just, just trivial for you to stand in front of an investor and, and, you know, present your thing or whatever. It becomes, the confidence factor is just absolute at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes back to knowing your sh your sh your shit. Right? Yeah, it comes back to really knowing your shit. Knowing your, yeah, it gets back to knowing yourself, knowing your shit. But sometimes you have to build confidence. That's why I did the social media, right? I do a couple of companies, build my confidence up in one company, and then I start investing myself into my other ideas, right? Because yeah. now I built up the confidence I need to start selling to people, knowing how to market myself, and doing that stuff. That's why I did the social media, in a sense, because I just need to build the confidence. That's another reason I did the podcast. Yeah. I want to do the YouTube to get more face and go up to random people to learn how to talk better yeah, better so yeah i feel like what you're saying a lot actually comes down to public speaking more so than like being confident in what you're selling because especially in social media that's a rather proven system social media of course it works out so many people make a lot of money out of it in that case the confidence factor becomes how can i prove it's about me how can i show it's it's me that's going to work you know that's tougher because yeah. we need the results for that yeah that's why the social media because if i can get these results from this company Saying I can get you 100% increase in this or this and this increase in sales, right? And I can show it. That means build my confidence. I can show the results yeah. in one factor in my life. That's why I did it. Because it's not about uh, those podcasts and YouTube are more about public speaking and getting to know people. But the social media is about just showing the results that I cannot. When I put my mind to an idea, like going someone's company, going someone's That's Facebook, right. testing, targeting, all these things, you, you don't really learn your shit unless you've tried it so many times in social media. So, yeah, I, I suppose in social media, the only way to get that confidence back there is doing a shit ton of split testing and doing a shit ton of targeting and getting it right over and over and over again. Yeah, you know what I think is cool? I think it's cool is people who listen to every episode, they're going to see the growth of Canada. <laughs> they're going to see the next insight. They're going to see this. They're going to be interested in what's going to happen next. Yeah, and at the right. same time, they get a cool guest like you to come in and give your stories. Uh, and uh, I was wondering, do you have anything you want to close out with? we got a few minutes. Any message you want to send out there other than the one you already have? Uh, other than that, I have one <clears throat> last question. Uh, where do you want to go eat if you want to go eat right now? I want to go to a pupusa shop nearby. Oh, you're going to open? Salvadorian pupusa shop. All right. So pupusa uh, has a traditional food from El Salvador, and it's just... If we're Salvador and somebody suggests you, hey, what, what, what you, if you could eat anything, what would it be right now? Most of them would agree they'd like to eat pupusas right now. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's actually what I just ate. That was, that was supposed to be your fourth business, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would definitely never have a food business. Oh, me, man. I thought you said pupusa shop. There's things that I, I will never learn my shit about, and one of them is food. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, man. Thanks. We, we really appreciate you coming, man. It was good. Absolutely. We got a lot of good conversation out. And uh, if 10 years down the road you want to come again, we'll invite you. And you'll be the multi-billionaire that you would be. So. And anybody listening out there, you know, you got your dreams and you're thinking about attaining them or not, you got to learn your shit. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn your shit well until you feel like you've learned as much shit as you possibly could while sitting on your ass. Then you got to get out of your ass and go, go out there and do it. Yeah. Don't, don't let anybody tell you you can't, all right? So that's my last message to the world. And I'll just like to add on top of that, when you are learning, remember to learn from your failures as well. Because if you don't learn from your failures, you're not learning at all. So thanks for listening to this week's 
uh, Stop Boosting. Uh, you can check us out at Stop Boosting 416 and have a great day.